This is an EP Radio, a space for authentic conversations about our path to consciousness as we align with spirit, humanity, and nature. NEP Radio is founded upon the belief that our most effective contribution to a more peaceful and loving world is for each of us to align with love. In today's session, we're going to be talking about conscious philanthropy. This is a primary subject of my consulting and coaching, and it's an area that I've spent most of my life kind of working towards, and this is sort of the culmination of those experiences. First, let's discuss the terms. Philanthropy derives from the Greek word philos, or for loving, and anthropos, for human being. It's focused on love and the quality of life for humans. And derived in the 5th century from the idea of improving the human condition to save mankind from destruction. That's heavy. It's good. Uh, obviously, I could say, you know, humanitarian work or missions work or, or a myriad of other ideas and subjects and, and terms that we could use to address our benevolent work. I like the word philanthropy for the reasons that, it, that I've just described. Uh, it's, a, it, it's a term for the love of humanity in the sense of caring, nourishing, developing, enhancing, you know, what it means to be a human. And it involves both the benefactor and the the person that you're helping. I, I think it, it is the it's more of a symbiotic kind of relationship, and uh, the beneficiary is in receipt of the benefit, and then the the, the benefactor is also receiving a benefit as well. Uh, and maybe if it's you know services or goods or something like that, but it's also it involves relationship. It involves time. And in my opinion, it involves patience. And I think that's a very, very important element of philanthropy that I'm going to talk more about here shortly. Philanthropy covers, obviously, a a broad range of altruistic kind of benevolent behavior. Uh, It's not specific to any style or methodology, so it's kind of wide open. I appreciate that as well. And it's non-discriminatory. It's inclusive. In uh, modern society, this includes important initiatives that, you know, that further our understanding of what it means to be human through space exploration and other science and uh, cosmic research. And it's a continued exploration of self-actualization and consciousness. So as you can see, this, this idea of philanthropy and consciousness goes very well hand in hand. It differs from charity or humanitarianism or aid in that these practices are largely focused on the immediate and often temporary relief of pain caused by a particular social or economic problem. So I feel that uh, a lot of the charity and humanitarian aid sort of situations are much more addressed or are much more focused on addressing putting out fires. It's addressing symptoms uh, war, poverty, you know, economic inequality, the uh, human trafficking, and so on. It is addressing all of these elements that are in the headlines. It's addressing things that are popular topics to, to discuss. However, I don't feel that it's addressing more of the root issues, 
which is much more associated with uh, perspective. It's it, it's associated with you know how, for instance, I see all of these things that we've been discussing as you know, all these things like war and poverty and you know sex trafficking and you know all, any kind of human trafficking and climate change. All of these things that we're doing to destroy the planet or, or, or compli- complicate things in humanity and, and, and cause contrast and conflict and so on, all of these things are symptoms, yet they're what get our primary attention. We focus on these things because it's easier to get people to support them because they're all over Facebook and those discussions. They're all over you know, popular media and so on. They get the attention. When you start talking about affecting a, a, a perspective level, you get into the psychology of things, you get into human emotion, you get into all these things. That's where you start to lose the general public and therefore are not as equipped at that point to, uh, to get your, it's not as strategic of a move to get your support that you need. So with that in mind, uh, people tend to focus more on the fires that need to be put out rather than the root perspective that continues to perpetuate those fires. So the purpose, in my mind, of philanthropy is to continually advance the quality of the human experience, to foster harmony and balance amongst all living things and beings in our planet. It's a long-term commitment that requires copious amounts of patience, empathy, and unconditional love. And each one of those things there that I'm saying, and patience, empathy, and unconditional love. Those are elements I'm not always found in aid, in the traditional aid world. They are elements that I believe make the biggest difference in people's lives and, and in societies uh, as a whole. And I think that's exactly what the world's in need of right now. I've been, uh, you know, as I'm working on this topic and, and investing my life in that as my, one of my contributions, philanthropic contributions. I've, um, I've had a lot of opportunities to talk to people, to experience, you know, different aid, uh, situations. Uh, there, for instance, there are people like Scott Harrison. He runs charity water. He's digging wells and training people how to, uh, to maintain them and, and doing lots of other uh, elements that are needed in a village that would be receiving a well. He's, he handles it from a holistic standpoint. So what he's doing on the ground is in providing the, the most important physical element that we need from this planet. Water is profoundly important and he's doing it very well on the ground. Now, additionally, he's also doing he, he took a completely innovative approach to how he raises funding for that. And I would advise you to check out charitywater.org. It is an absolutely amazing organization. And it is an aid organization. It is handling an emergency situation, water. Now, I'm interested in talking about the perspectives that contribute to the environment that leaves a village without water. So there's the difference between the two. Both, let me be very clear, are needed. Both are profoundly important. I'm simply choosing one that I want to focus on because I feel I'm best equipped to address that side of things, the perspective side of things. So I want to be clear as I'm talking about this, and I'm not saying we need one or the other. I'm saying this is one that needs attention that's not getting it. Uh, they, when we're, when I'm looking across the board at all these aid organizations that I know and love, 
I'm so glad that they're there and they need to happen. You know, there's, there's food for the hungry. There's uh, all, all these organizations that are doing great emergency efforts, uh, you know, they're facilitating emergency efforts that need to be done. So let's put that in a box over here and say, <laughs> those are things that need to be done, especially when they're done well, and they're done, uh, you know, from a, a, a desire to innovate, like Scott has done with Charity Water. Uh, and uh, there's a, a Aquila Institute for Women in Rwanda, which is an educational system. And I've seen Tons and tons of educational systems come into East Africa and just fail, 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 fail over and over and over again. And then uh, Elizabeth Davis comes in and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to change this. I'm going to create a trade school and do something phenomenal here. And she did. And she had everything going against her over and over and over again and got knocked down quite a few times. But she made her way back up every single time and she's absolutely thriving and has just opened up a new organization for job placement called mindsky.com that is amazing i'll put all this stuff in the show notes but this is th- those are examples of aid uh and, and I, I shouldn't say that even the aquila as aid it's kind of in the middle there she's addressing a long-term scenario she's trying to change the paradigm of education in rwanda and she's doing it uh so that is really addressing more of a, a perspective level and long-term investment. And it's certainly been a long-term investment on her part as well. But with Charity Water, with organizations like that, that are digging wells and, and, and you know, dropping food into refugee camps and going in and preventing a war by way of peaceful, nonviolent action, mind you, I'm not talking about preventing a war by going in and bombing them like we do often in the United States. But with these organizations that are providing aid work, you know, they are, are facilitating aid work. Uh, I think there are tons of them that are doing well, and uh, I'd like to support quite a few of them. However, I am interested in the perspective side of things. So let's talk a little bit about that. I want to step outside of the typical conversation around the popular problems of the world, such as war, violence, economic inequality, racism, climate change, and so on, and foster this new discussion, as I've discussed a minute ago. It's time to face up to the fact that the maladies of the world and the agencies designed to correct them are in a symbiotic relationship. They need each other. It's time to patiently turn our attention away from the firefighting of the symptoms and towards the perspectives that continue to perpetuate the plight of our world. Now, I, I feel that this is not a topic that's, that gets a lot of discussion and it's not a lot, uh, it's not as sexy as a lot of the discussions, you know, it's not, it's not going to make the headlines. Let's talk about the perspectives, you know, that, that feed all these things. However, I hope that you will carry this conversation forward and talk with your friends and family about it and bring people into this new discussion or whether or not it's news is irrelevant, but this discussion about perspective. Now, think about the times in your life when you have been impacted by a person, a situation, experience, whatever it is, a book, a movie. For instance, we all know and love Rocky, right? I watched the whole series, I don't know how many times. And I've, I, you know, I grew up watching Rocky. I love the film and I love what it stands for. They're all the same, all of them, for the most part. It's just different scenarios. Uh, but the point is, to 
you know, to make your way from from nothing to something and to do it because you believe in it, do it to, to have faith, even though it doesn't make sense and to keep pressing on to persevere, to believe in yourself and so on and so on. Now, I know that in a down moment of my life, when I'm, I'm feeling down or depressed about something or, or discouraged or something like that about a project or whatever, I'll throw in a I'll throw in a Rocky movie and watch it. I'll throw in Braveheart. I'll throw in some great movie because that, movies are a medium that speak to me. I'm pretty choosy about what I watch, but those are uh, it, it, it's something that speaks to me. Books. I have tons and tons and tons of books, and I go through mostly audiobooks. Actually, I have a huge Audible.com uh, collection, and I am constantly. Uh, feeding my mind with these things, these teachings from different gurus, you know, the Lao Tzu's and Wayne Dyer's and the Marianne Williamson's and, and, and Rob Bell's and all these people that I'm feeding my mind with, their teachings are so important in my life because they are altering my perspective, the way that I see the world. And perspective is everything. Perspective, and let me talk a little bit about perspective. It is where it's our hardwiring. It's our programming. It's the mother of our being, in my opinion. It is where we get our truths. It is where we get our beliefs. It is where we get our worldview. It's where we get from that our priorities and our values. It's the way we see the world. And I think it's the most important investment we can make, certainly in our own self-actualization, but also in the way that we give back to the world. For instance, Wayne Dyer, one of my favorite gurus, talked a lot about, you know, the the orange scenario. And I think I've talked about this in other podcasts. But he would take an orange up on stage, say, what happens if I squeeze this? Orange juice comes out. What happens to you when the world squeeze you squeezes you? What comes out? And I think that's very tied to the perspective discussion. It, it, it's saying, look, whatever you have programmed in your mind, your truth, your beliefs, and so on, your perspective... It's going to dictate and govern what comes out of you when the world squeezes you. And otherwise, obviously, I, I want to be a vessel of love. I want to emanate love from me in all that I do. And in order to do that, I need to address the way that I view the world, my perspective. People that are involved in, as a juxtaposition, people that are involved in human trafficking, they view humans as a commodity, not as a human, a spiritual being, a, a vessel of love uh, created by the same creator and from coming from the same force of love that, that creates stars and galaxies and, and zebras and people. We are all interconnected. And my philosophy is coming from a foundation of believing and embracing that interconnectedness. And that philosophy and that perspective has come from the experiences that I've had deliberately and otherwise, as well as the deliberate, and let's just say the, the, the deliberate investment in my perspective of traveling the world, living in another country, m multiple other countries, exposing you know my mind to the other teachings of other gurus and, and to films and documentaries and so on. All of these things are filling up my experience bank, which is then governing my perspective and the way that I view the world. So 
to step back and say, okay, how does, how does this tie into philanthropy? Think about the times when you were down, when you've been struggling or whatever, and someone brought something into your perspective that altered the way that you see things. They, they gave you a book and said, hey, read this. I think it'd help. Or that you watched a, a documentary or a, a loved one or friend or whatever came to you and said, hey, let's go camping for the weekend. Hey, let's go hang out. Or, hey, you look like you could use a hug <laughs> or, or whatever it is. And they invested time in you. They said something positive to you. They built you up and so on. All of it is related to a relationship. It's related to, or it's founded in a, a time. It's time that you invested. Notice that in this transaction, there was no money exchanged. And, and very often that's, that is the case. I am not looking at philanthropy or a, a philanthropist as someone that is just donating large sums of money. It's someone that is taking the time and the patience to transform perspectives that ultimately lead someone closer to their own self-actualization and improves their human experience, their quality of life. They are coming from a terrible situation or in a terrible situation, and they are receiving an investment of time and relationship and unconditional love and patience from another human or entity or whatever, if it's, a, if it's an organization. And that is what's part of what is making the difference in their life, not just what's being taught to them or the book that they received or the words that were said or, or, or whatever. It's the act of a human interacting with another human or a group of humans interacting with a group of humans. That's what's so important. I think that, you know, a great missions trip and the missions world is, is, a, is a very big discussion that I, I will dive deeper into throughout this podcast. Um, but this, for right now, we'll keep it a little bit general. I think that rather than going and, and painting a church for the fifth time that year <laughs> that didn't need to be painted, which often happens, and we've seen that, my wife and I, <laughs> firsthand, that was not as an actual real example. Rather than doing that, and then going back and telling the church about this great thing that you did, perhaps, and spending, you know, $60,000 on <laughs> seven or eight people going over to Africa, why not take a couple of people and go there and find the guys on the ground, you know, that have been living there for 10 years or whatever from the West, or whatever, or that, or find some, you know, local guy that, or girl that is doing some social enterprise or running some organization or whatever that needs a hand and just come alongside them as a friend, like you would a friend down the street. Why does it need to be different if they're across the planet? At the end of the day, what people are craving is human interaction, relationship, unconditional love, patience. That's what they want. I think that's what missions work should be. And if we're basing missions work on the life of Christ, he certainly set a great example for that. Hung out with everybody. And showed unconditional love in outrageous amounts of patience. <laughs> I think we should emulate that through all of our philanthropic endeavors, not just missions work. So we, you know, we, we all end up in situations where we say, okay, and, and right now I think it, the big question, you know, floating around the, even the popular media, which is not always a positive place to be, but there is a discussion going, a question out there. How do I give back? How do I do good in the world? How do I do this? What organization do I support? What type of organization do I support? How much money should I give? And da, 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 so on. Now, 
I think that, you know, it, we're, we're also contemplating, you know, how do I leverage what I've got, whatever that may be, my skills, you know, if I think of people that are a little bit more savvy with it are saying, okay, how do I leverage my platform, my sphere of influence, my business, uh, and so on, not just your cold card cash, but like, what, what is it that you, you have to give, you know, in a, in a way that can give back, uh, you know, and we're doing it because we care. And we feel some sense of responsibility to contribute to a more peaceful and harmonious world. And I'm grateful for that. But how? You know, how does one serve effectively? That's the big question. There's enough information out there, you know, on the internet for most people to become aware of the dead aid scenario. You know, the, the, when, when aid work goes from, you know, it comes from the, the desire to help to benefit a community, let's just say, but in actuality ends up contributing more to the problem, exacerbating the problem in some way. Or, and this is, this one happens so commonly in, you know, in the world of aid and missions work where it's someone going in or an organization going in and fixing a problem that didn't need to be fixed because say like a certain system isn't working or a certain school is broken down or a certain orphanage isn't running properly or whatever but the question is is the orphanage the best thing that we can do for the children in that area it's not always and i've seen uh situations where that was not the case um i also know that there's about 60 70 percent i forget the actual statistics but it's above 50 well above 50 uh the percentage of organiz- or of orphanages across africa that are corrupt that are funneling money and money into some guy's pocket and so on i was involved with a few organizations one of which or, or orphanages in in rwanda actually one of which i ended up discovering was doing just that and there were some other celebrities involved with supporting that and so on and i had to break the news and you know report the people to police and all that kind of stuff and it, and it was it was in no way working with any children they, they were just kind of coming in for the day that the donors would come in and then they went back to their homes or back out on the street or whatever, but there's so much of that going on. And, and people know that Westerners are going to keep coming over and, and investing in these things, whether or not they work or not, or whether or not they really make the impact or not. And there's, there's not enough uh, mechanisms for monitoring and so on and so on. So they take advantage of that. And you know what? <laughs> like anybody in a desperate situation would, I'm not blaming even them. I'm blaming us. I'm blaming the Western world for not being more strategic about how we help and how we give back. And in the end, I'm not blaming anyone. What I'm trying to do is offer other solutions. There's problems to be solved out there, for sure. Uh, And we certainly don't want to exacerbate the ones that already exist, and we don't want to create new ones either. So we have to look at, you know, what how how do I actually help that in a way that is going to be more effective without creating those new problems or or fostering dependency and entitlement and so on? We I won't belabor that one too much because we talk about that a lot, and I think that's kind of a known uh, element of all of this. It often fosters dependency and entitlement. We don't want to do that. These are all important, you know, questions and ideas to contemplate. And none of them are easily answered. I'll say that. It's not like I have an easy answer for all that. But I do believe that when we take the time to study history, reevaluate our motives, and be more strategic about 
you know, and, and deliberate in our actions, we can begin to more effectively foster a more peaceful and harmonious world. So that's what this conscious philanthropy discussion is about. Um, I, I think that we have to wake up. We have to invest in ourselves. We have to invest in our own consciousness, our own well-being, physically, mentally, so on, uh, before we have the ability to really impact people's lives in the way that we desire to. I realized, you know, a few years ago, after 10 years of, you know, constant uh, human rights work and, and, and sort of the inundation of negativity into my life through what I was seeing through my own eyes, I, I got burned out. I felt like, man, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I wish I could be more effective and so on and so on. I, I got pretty down. And, you know, my batteries were done. And I had this visualization of, you know, hanging off a cliff and hanging on by some roots or whatever and looking up and seeing two people above me on the cliff with the ability, theoretically, to pull me back up and to safety. And I thought, okay, so the, the guy hanging off the cliff, that's me. And that represents the people that I'm trying to help. The people at the top represent the aid agencies, humanitarians, philanthropists, and so on. Obviously, this isn't a difficult analogy. I'm just making it clear. But I, I feel that what was happening was I was seeing two people at the top. One on the right was me. Burned out, angry activist with a chip on his shoulder, you know, raging against the machine, and so on. And on the left, I had and this is actually who I had in my mind, uh, Richard Branson, one of my heroes uh, and gurus. And I saw old Rich on the side there looking like a million bucks, vibrant. You know, yes, he's been financially successful, so that helps. <laughs> but in this particular instance with someone hanging off a cliff, I'm thinking, look, he's he, he, he in his older age, he acts like he's 30 years old <laughs> physically. And emotionally and mentally as well. And I think that he, you know, with, with all the wisdom that he has and the experience that he has, he knows to take care of himself. He knows to take time to create. He knows to make space to find joy and experience joy. And what that can do to him as a being that is able to give back more effectively. All that to say, on the left, we got healthy Richard Branson. And on the right, we have... Uh, unhealthy, let's just say, Jared. And I felt like, who do I want to help me? And so I'm looking back there really and saying all the people in the world that need a helping hand in some way, who do they want to help them? I'm guessing it's going to be old Branson and not burned out activist Jared. So I, I, it was a big moment for me to realize that and to say, wow, I want to be Richard Branson on that side. I want to be the healthy guy. I want to be the positive guy that's, that's uh, emanating love and light. I don't want to be the guy that's emanating anger and rage because that's really who I was at the time. So I took a step back and said, it's time to invest in my own mind. Because again, like the orange scenario, if life is squeezing me, what's coming out? I want, to, I want love to come out no matter what. And I want to, you know, I thought about my part of my consciousness, becoming conscious was realizing that 
my philanthropic endeavors and my parenting endeavors are very closely connected. Uh, they're congruent. And I, and I feel that, you know, as I become, as I became a parent first to my eldest Francois, who's adopted uh, in Rwanda and coming off the streets and so on, I was with him for a few years before I even met my wife and I was raising him, you know, solo at the time. And then when my wife came into the picture, then we raised him together and have continued to do so and homeschool him and so on. But I realized, and I'll keep this part short because we'll have more on this uh, soon in the Love Like Water sessions. But I realized that my example to him, him watching how I navigate life, that is what is going to really change him more than anything. I think that is going to, uh, that's what's going to influence him more than anything else. And I think he is, yeah, I mean, he, he's not likely to listen so much to the the words that I'm saying as much as he is going to watch how I navigate life. He is going to be interested in seeing, okay, when when things come at him, when things come at Jared, how does he handle it? When the world squeezes him, what comes out? It held me to a higher responsibility to set the example, to exemplify my ideals and to, I don't know, to, to, to be the change that I want to see, to be the example of everything that I believe the world should be. And, and I believe the world should be love, just be love. So when I started realizing that and when I talked to you know my wife about this I, I realized that really what I'm dealing with is I was understanding that oh my gosh I want to be the example to inspire my children to be love What do I want to do as a philanthropist I want to be an example that inspires others outside of my children to be love I want to equip them to alter their perspective so that they understand what being love is. I think that's so important. So it's really affected my philanthropic endeavors and my coaching, consequently, in teaching people how to do that. Philanthropy, I think, again, should be like it is with our children. It's an opportunity for us to grow as well. It's not just an opportunity to, to give to someone else. It's an opportunity to, for us to grow personally. And as we grow personally, we're able to give back more effectively as well. There's a quote uh, from a lady named Lila Watson. If you have come to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is tied up with mine, then let us struggle together. That little nugget of wisdom, and I, I believe it was my wife that, that brought it to my attention, but it, it was years ago, and it really, really, really struck me. And it helped me to understand it is a symbiotic relationship. 
and or should be between myself and the people that I'm trying to help in that this is a way that both of us can learn that we can all enhance our quality of life obviously when I'm helping someone in some way it doesn't matter who it is if it's my kid or my wife or a friend or a community in Rwanda and so on I gain joy from doing that and I should we all should we should do we should give the gift of giving rather should be a gift in and of our in and of itself to ourselves so if I give to someone that should be a gift to me and I don't need anything in return I don't need it all to work out the way that I thought it should if I give someone a car you know I don't need it to be perfect in its outcome I want to teach them as much as I can about that and I want to give it to them and give it away and and I, I believe that teaching is very important you know don't just give a car to somebody who doesn't know how to take care of it teach them as much as you can invest in that relationship invest in that giving in that whole scenario as much as you can but then you have to release yourself from the attachment of the outcome otherwise you're giving with conditions and I don't want to be giving with conditions real philanthropy involves unconditional love and copious amounts of patience and I think I, I will probably say that over and over and over and over again because it is so important that we not attach ourselves to conditions and again in the spirit of enlightenment and consciousness as Buddha would say you know the, the root of all mis misery is in our attachment to things and, and outcomes and so on and I, I, I believe we have to detach ourselves from that I also believe that, you know, we, we, when it comes to peace, you know, we don't go in and I'm, I'm a, obviously a fan of Martin Luther King and, and nonviolent resistance and so on. And, you know, the Mother Teresa's of, and Gandhi's of the world that stood up with nonviolent resistance, like what we're seeing now in Standing Rock. And American Indians are standing there saying, we will stand in peace for our land. This is this is part of us we are interconnected to this land the american indians saw the land as our brother not as our uh, you know as something that we own and, they, and black elk i believe said you know how how can you buy the land how can you sell the land how can you own the land you, how could how could you own the air you know and the water and th things like that and we're certainly finding ways to do that now in our capitalistic ways you know how we want to own everything and I think the ownership of, uh, you know, of this land by the government is, has caused more and more and more problems. But we see that the people in, for instance, the people that have, have made nonviolent stances against a tyrannical situation of some kind, they're the ones that we talk about. They're the ones that make the big difference. And, you know, I saw Mark Ruffalo yesterday on Twitter saying, you know, t giving a speech to the people at Standing Rock saying, look, every time the police come at you with violence and you stand in peace and nonviolent resistance, you win. You win. I believe that a war against a war is still a war and that peace is only possible through this unconditional love and, and, and patience that I keep talking about.
if we wanted to heal our relationship with Iran or Iraq or Afghanistan, anywhere in the Middle East, we would begin to go in and, and listen and create relationships. And that may take us 10 or 20 years, especially after all the damage that we've already done, rather than just coming in and doing what we've done and taking oil, trying to create some subservient relationship, you know, where they serve us and, and so on. This is another country. This is people just like you and I. And we should treat them with respect, the same respect that we wish uh, others would treat us with. And we can't be a bully. We can't be impatient. We can't be conditional. So I believe our greatest benevolent contribution is first to invest in our own perspective. And second, to invest in the perspective of others and to exemplify the ideals that we have that are based not upon keeping our head in the sand, but in educating ourselves, in creating experiences where we travel the world and we expose our minds to other cultures and beliefs and practices and uh, open up our minds. Being open-minded is very, very important. Uh, hold fast to your ideals of being love and, and being empathetic and being compassionate, but be flexible in your methodologies. Be flexible and, and adaptable and do that as a result of listening and learning from others. I think that this concept of conscious philanthropy is probably something that is fairly well accepted, I think, for most people. I think that it's a concept that most people can understand is needed. I'm grateful that my experiences have led me here to this perspective that I hold now because my philanthropic endeavors are entirely different today than what they used to be. And I am, you know, I'm grateful for the experiences that I've had that have broadened my perspective. I'm grateful for the relationships that have come along throughout my life that have played such a huge role in my life. And I want to encourage all of you to go out and invest in your perspective bank, you know, your experience bank that's going to grow your perspective. And listen. Spend time with people. Get face-to-face. -face. My, my sister, Ashley Logston, uh, who, who's another amazing philanthropist in uh, all that she does, and, and with her family and, and, and in a broader sense, much broader sense as well. And she just wrote a, a blog about that and about face-to-face -face time. We need less time on Facebook and more time on being face-to-face -to -face together, having real interaction with people. Uh, investing in their lives and and I think the best way to do that is to help bring people's perspective into a state of love I think that as we align with love we are able to enjoy life more and to have a better quality of life and a human experience and also that vibrates out that energy vibrates out from us and helps other people to, you know, it liberates others. You know, as, our, as we are joyful, and Miriam Williamson talks about this a lot, but as we let our own light shine, we, we sort of inadvertently let other people's, or liberate people for their light to shine as well. And I think that's so important, and I think that should be kind of the spirit of philanthropy and benevolence, is to uh, 
self-actualize and become conscious so that we can help others to become self-actualized and conscious and align with our higher self, align with love. As we do that, I think that's where we begin to see the shift towards love and harmony and balance and peace in the world that we want today. Thank you for hanging with me during this time of discussing conscious philanthropy. Thank you for your desires to give back to the world. Thank you for your desire to be a part of a community of people that are willing to go deep, willing to have the tough discussions, willing to have the discussions that aren't sexy enough to make the headline news. I encourage you to... Share this podcast with others in EP Radio. Get it out there to people. It does help, and we do need your help to grow this audience. Um, we need your voice as well. We want to hear your voice in the comment section, and you can email us as well. And all of these uh, ways to contact us are listed in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you for taking time, spending time with me, And I hope that you will go out and spend time with others today in your effort to just be love and that you will continue that as a lifestyle, not just something that you do from time to time, but as a lifestyle. I wish you peace on your journey. May you align with love and let your life speak.